The strong wind was howling and whistling. He was the first Chinese citizen to graduate from Yale University in the mid-19th century. I was born on the 17th of November. She had prominent features. Three of us were old enough to lend a helping hand. He navigated between two vastly different cultures and moved further to realize his dream and promote understanding between the people of China and the United States. Ye Mingxing was a native of Hanyang. I realized no danger. China is really awakening. Come and join us in discovering the incredible journey of Yong Wang in his autobiography, My Life in China and America. Check out the audible stories on radio.cgtn.com and all major podcast platforms. Just search for the podcast Books and Beyond and find My Life in China and America. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable coming to you from Beijing. I'm Lai Ming. Coming up on today's show, a short fiction series about artifacts escaping the British Museum has gone viral as countries around the world call on the London institution to repatriate items from other countries. In central China's Anhui province, some professors from universities have been appointed vice principals of primary schools. What can they bring to the students who have just started their academic life? You can share your perspectives about Roundtable and the issues we discuss. Send us an email at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. Now on Roundtable, a fiction series about ancient artifacts coming to life and trying to escape from the British Museum. Not at all the, a night at the museum kind of story, but still, um, well, I, ca- I caught a, uh, one episode of the series. Uh, it was a bit cheesy, but uh, I'll leave to Li Yushun to uh, tell us a bit about uh, what's going on in the plot. Yes, um, this short video series titled Escape from the British Museum, which tells the story of a jade teapot, and it transforms into a human. Um, and attempts to escape from this museum, of course. And during her journey, she met a Chinese journalist on the streets of London and hoped to return to China with the journalist's assistance. And it is super popular, I have to say. Um, with the latest episode released on 6th September, the three-part series with a total duration of just over 16 minutes mm-hmm. and has attracted more than... 350 million views and garnered nearly 2 million comments on Douyin. And this is the um, short video platform in China. And the, the the account published the series also gained more than 5 million followers after this. And then, Yushuan, you're young. And in your um, experience <laughs> with Douyin... In your experience with Douyin... <laughs> Sorry, uh, New Holling. But yeah, in your experience with Douyin, uh, would you say uh, 340 million views and nearly 2 million comments uh, quite phenomenal? I think so. You know, because it, yeah, of course we know that short video platforms are like you just scroll it up and uh, like get a peek of this video. But still, this number is, is quite um, big. And uh, we have to say that if it is not phenomenal, then a lot of people will not think you know, watching these kind of short videos is just it, it, it's just something that you will do daily. But when in, in this topic, um, especially in recent years, um, people are just, you know, putting more focus on these kind of 
topics like relics coming back to China and the relics that's lost overseas. Yeah, I think it's not just about the numbers. It's also about the comments. We, when we say we, we mean I mean actually the series received. Uh-huh. People are saying, ah, oh, I feel heartbroken watching this. I wish all the cultural relics can be back. And they're saying, wow, it is a good idea or a very um, cool idea to make this teapot a beautiful little girl wearing traditional Chinese clothing. The image is good. The idea is not that novel, but a good way to demonstrate people's desire of asking for these cultural relics to be back in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, I, now, I said uh, something about uh, it being cheesy, but I, uh, to be fair, I only watched the first episode and some part of it was uh, a bit uh, dramatized, uh, uh, too, too overly dramatized to my taste. But again, uh, I think I remember people's comments about the, the ending part where mm. um, the teapot, or, or also known as the lovely lady, put, uh, Personified, uh, p- personifying the teapot, mm-hmm. saying, uh, "Well, uh, well, I'll come back uh, in, in a uh, lawful way." I mean, uh, show, yeah. sort of uh, highlighting the difficulty of uh, bringing these uh, artifacts back home uh, through uh, very official means. And what is, um, what does this impact? I mean, we talked about the numbers. We talked about the feedback from uh, Chinese internet users. Uh, what does this influence say about Chinese people and their opinions or sentiments about antiques and artifacts? Well, in my opinion, actually, um, people's view have changed over the course of time. At the very beginning, there were voices saying that, well, of course, we were pity about all the cultural relics being some some of them being looted to overseas countries, some of them just lost, some of them were even um, illegally traded to outside of the country. But some people would say, well, back then maybe we didn't have enough te- uh, techniques, enough power to actually protect them and maybe it was a period of turbulent time if it weren't or if these cultural Alex were in the country perhaps they were destroyed already so we don't know it's um, maybe it was a good thing back then but again over the course of time things have changed we started to be more confident about our power to protect to um, to let's say Uh, amend the cultural relics to study them. And we think it's our right, it's our um, power, it's within our power to have them back. And that voice is getting louder and louder. Mm -hmm. I think especially in recent years, um, why this video could be so popular, I think it is just, you know, simply because that it resonated with public's emotions that have always existed, Um, you know, we can see some discussions related to the return of cultural relics have you know constantly garnered huge attention um back then in 2016 a documentary actually i i really like that documentary it's named is um masters in the forbidden city or it's it's a, a documentary about relics preservation in the forbidden city of course and it was dra- generating widespread interest among young people especially in the topic of uh, cultural preservation and cultural protection through its popular film and television work um, at that time there were already discussions about you know the return of lost Chinese cultural relics from overseas or from British Museum. Um, and other similar institutions. 
Mm-hmm. And, and is this sentiment unique to the Chinese people? And Liu Hongling mentioned something about confidence and thinking that we have the right and also the power to within ourselves to uh, keep these artifacts in good state and also perhaps even bring them back from overseas destinations. Uh, is this sentiment only unique to Chinese people or are we also seeing other um, people from other countries uh, doing the same? Oh, definitely not only China wants their cultural relics back. Actually, um, we have calls from other countries, including Sudan, Nigeria, Greece, which have all asked the British Museum to give back stolen artifacts. According to BBC, Egypt has been asking for the return of the Rosetta Stone, mm-hmm. forcibly taken by the British, British Empire in 1901. Greece has also also been campaigning for its sculptures and this is again not only for China and actually I feel like the situation in it was taken by the British Empire in 1801 1801 thank you very much and the thing is with um, a lot of countries especially some less developed countries they uh-huh. face even harder or even more complicated challenges since people would say well maybe it is better for these cultural relics to stay in our museum because our technology better, we can better protect them. It, it has been an excuse for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And the Greece scholar also, I think, the uh, what they call the father of archaeology in, in Greece uh, was saying that they, they have, the country has the capacity and has the means to keep the artifacts in good state and also to um, to study them, to research them. So um, we know that this sentiment is shared by a lot of people, for any, any, any people who is taking pride in their own culture. And as such, uh, we are seeing more and more calls on the part of um, the British, British Museum to repatriate uh, items, artifacts that they've obtained lawfully or unlawfully uh, in history. And um, what is the state, come back to China, what's the situation of Chinese antiques housing overseas institutions? We've been talking about British Museum quite a lot, but uh, it's not only the only destination of Chinese artifacts or ancient relics. Mm, In the first half of the 20th century, numerous foreign collectors and antique dealers traveled to China in search of ancient artworks and according to a report of the local media outlet Beijing Daily, public uh, museums overseas currently hold around 1.6 million pieces of ancient Chinese art. However, this accounts for only about 20% of the lost Chinese cultural relics with more than 80% still held privately and remaining unfound. And we can see according to data from UNESCO, thousands of Chinese cultural relics have ended up in 47 countries around the world, with Japan holds the most of these displaced artifacts. Hmm. So, um, but this, the efforts to try and get back the lost artifacts and uh, antiques have uh, lasted for quite a long time. I, I for one, remember uh, when I was very young, uh, reports about how uh, certain individuals or organizations have uh, gone a long way, uh, expended a lot of 
resources to uh, get back and recover some of the lost artifacts. I remember specifically the the uh, animal heads mm. uh, from the uh, old uh, summer palace, Yuan Mingyuan, and uh, I think a lot of certain individuals and institutions went a long way doing that. And uh, so uh, this has been going on for quite some time. I wonder. What are the common means in which uh, Chinese people have been using or relying on to get back uh, lost artifacts? Uh, currently, there are three main approaches for the repatriation of overseas cultural relics. Uh, repurchasing the items you mentioned, the animal heads. That's a very it was and it is actually still a very famous case right. uh, when it comes to the repatriation of the cultural relics and also seeking the return of items as gifts so we would have some nice donors when we say nice they have or actually they possess certain cultural relics um, in good faith so mm -hmm. they didn't know that these were in disputes or these were illegally um, purchased or illegally even smuggled into their hands so they didn't know and now they return those cultural relics back or do uh, donate them back so this is another way and another one is seeking the return of the items through diplomatic maneuvers or through the efforts of non-governmental organizations these are the three main ways and actually there has been or there there have been many cases, and uh, I think one of the most important and also famous one is in 1998, over 3,000 smuggled Chinese cultural relics were successfully repatriated from the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, I would say, a very interesting case, because during that case, or by studying that case, we can understand the difficulties and challenges we face when we try to recover these cultural relics. Um, actually, it was in... Uh, again, 1995, when mm. the case was firstly, let's say, happened in the United Kingdom. And the thing, the first problem we enter was that actually the then owner of those 3,000 cultural relics, they got the cultural relics by purchasing. And the smuggle actually happened in Hong Kong, mm. which means that for the United Kingdom, it's hard for them to... Um, register the case as a criminal case because actually mm -hmm. the relics got into UK with legal with all the uh, due legal procedures you have the paperwork and went through the custom by purchasing so it was all legal so they can only file the case as a civil case and the second problem was that during the period of the uh, case, the, the file time, actually we don't have enough time to get all the evidence we need to prove the ownership of the 3,000, more than 3,000 cultural pieces because it's just too little time to get all the information for all the respective items. It's just too complicated. And it happened again in 1995, which is... Um, not as advanced as nowadays. You can't really have a lot of people doing the job at the same time very efficiently back then. So that was the second problem we entered. And also, of course, with the jurisdiction of UK, you have to consider local law. You have to consider where the case is being filed, if it's a, a relatively local court or the national court. So all that has been sorted out at the end. And finally, we got the 3,000 items back by negotiating with the then possessor. 
and we told them you are up against a country. The effort, the time, and the manpower, uh, human power, and the money of an entire country. If you want to settle the case, and you know deep down these are not yours, so we have to negotiate through. Uh, a proper way. This is good for us. It's good for you. So after long, a really long period of time in 1998, they finally got back all the three more than three thousand pieces of cultural relics. It was a good success, but it was arduous. And I think it's a good example showcasing how important and difficult it is to get back the cultural relics. It was a very good example of diplomatic. Negotiations and, in fact, negotiation from the position of power, but also with a lot of tactics involved. Yes. So it highlights、uh, the tremendous obstacles that、uh, we have to overcome in order to get something done here, specific, specifically in the case of、uh, relics repatriation. And、uh, again, there are other types of、uh, successful examples.、Uh, Yushun, you've traveled to、uh, Dunhuang recently, and、mm. you've been able to find out about some good examples. In which we can make it much relatively easy. I wouldn't say much relatively easier. <laughs> relatively, yeah.、Mm. Uh, but before that, I have to say that the point of these kind of you know negotiating and、um, uh, legal terms of different countries and regions is absolutely one of the difficult points of you know、uh, repatriating the cultural relics. I think、um, yes, and.、Um, It, just because of that, we we of course we understand that the origin of these cultural relics are from one place.、Mm. But we in the modern time we have to prove that. Yes, it, it it is kind of based on all of these laws, but and also based on different laws. So we have to prove that that belongs to which country or that belongs to somebody. And、um, yes, talking about the examples that I got from Dunhuang,、um, one thing that I That I learned is that you know it is hard to repatriate some of the cultural relics because you cannot even say that、um, which country or which region or which person actually took it illegally. You know back then there are so many historical events and、um, for example in Dunhuang a lot of murals and papers and sutras were taken by a British、um, I I was explorer adventurer yeah back then、Ooh. and.、Um, Back then, they he actually like sold all of these things to this to this British guy.、Um, so, in in that way, you know, it sounds like it is kind of、um, just you know fair trade. But of of course, we we cannot say that's fair、uh, um, when we are talking about the you know the the money that he got. So, but back then, he did need that fund to actually his. Um, first initial the in- initiative is to was to actually、um, renovate the Mogao caves, renovate these murals and renovate these statues. But、uh, were that really you know worthwhile? The you know are these kind of、um, money and、um, relics equal the price? I I don't think so, and、um, it is quite controversial even now. So we have to say that there are some complexity. Among these, and we cannot definitely say that it is something that we can define as illegal or not.、Mm-hmm. Just、uh, for the sake of people who don't know much about Dunhuang and what is it,、uh, why is it important, and why are artifacts stored there、uh, that important?、Um, I, one obvious thing is that it is a kind of、um, you know cultural relics. It, it possesses huge amount of cultural relics, and it has thousands of years of history. 
even not only in China, because that is kind of an intersection of multi-culture. So they not only have culture from China, also from other regions. You know, so basically, kind of like a art gallery of Buddhism artifacts, right? And it has even not only about Buddhism.、Mm. To be honest, we saw a lot of you know different, even have Bibles, but in different languages. And、um, you know,、uh, uh, are there like、um, coins, which、uh, obviously show that it's not about Chinese culture, but from different regions. It、Mexico. was a very important business and cultural hub on、mm. along the road of the Belt and Road, and then such、uh, people and cultures from different parts of the country of the Eurasian continent converged there, and so it was. The germ or the pearl of、uh, bygone years when people exchanged ideas and commodities as well,、uh, so it was a very important、uh, item. It was a very important location and very important、uh, historical point that offers a lot of、uh, information for us to study about uh, uh, our past. And I think Yu Shen touched upon a very important issue. That is, we have to have the data or the evidence、mm. or、um, legally. Uh, accepted proofs to prove the ownership of the cultural relics,、mm. and actually in two thousand and one, there has been this famous case of retrieving a ancient marble sculpture looted from the tomb of a governor in the Five Dynasty era. That is around nine hundred seven and nine hundred sixty A.D. And these. This item is,、uh, let's say, discovered or suspected to be. Well, actually, it's the Beijing, a Beijing scholar, a visiting scholar in Beijing, found this sculpture. He suspected to be one of the looted one from the tomb. He immediately informed both the United States and also the、uh, our country and Hebei province, Hebei province administrations of cultural heritage,、mm-hmm. and. He, They have to prove that this sculpture belongs to that tomb with a lot of different evidence. They have to compare the size of the lost sculpture and that literally that hole in the tomb, and also the material. Do some component analysis of the marble. They have to compare the、uh, drawing or painting style. They have to even compare the color of the sculpture and also in the tomb because、um, people say or the, those who actually possess the sculpture said that. Our possession, our、um, artifact, is very colorful. It's very bright in color, but your evidence is really light, and we have to prove that because that piece was stolen. There was a hole in the tomb, so the rain and the wind got into the tomb,、uh, soaked all the other artifacts, which leads to the lighten in color. So all these proof have to be provided, and they even got into the tomb to collect samples of the marble of the soil. And it was again a lot of good work, but it was even lucky for us because the tomb was still there. You can still do all the collecting. You can still prove that the ownership of the marble sculpture. But with a lot of artifacts, a lot of cultural relics in other countries, even、um, I would say demonstrated in different museums, we do not have the data anymore. Right. That's some fine research into how.、Um, How hard it is in some cases to get back、uh, lost relics from a different country, and the reason why we spend so much time discussing the difficulties and obstacles、uh, that keeps us from getting all the that we've lost in history is that、uh, I think there's our our passion and our pride 
for mm. our culture and our history is high and is increasing as we speak. Chinese people really care about our history and our own culture, and we we really feel strongly about uh, artifacts that have lost in the bygone years, in a time when the nation was relatively weak and was bullied by uh, outsiders, and at such uh, even as the country gets more prosperous and strong, we might think we might find it um, necessary and urgent to get. Them all back, but I, I think we all like to stress that it's important to get them back in the right way. In the sense that we can't strong arm any country just because China is a modern and strong nation now. is is very prop populous, is very prosperous as we know as we know right now, and as such, one might think it's much easier to buy them back. I mean, we got all the money. We. we I wouldn't say all the money. We we got the money. We 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 got more than we used to have uh, and such. But I don't think that's the right approach. In the sense that uh, strong arming or using money to do it, there are consequences. I mean, you only you've mentioned uh, uh, before the show, and that is, if there's a market or if there's a demand to get the lost artifacts back to China or to any other country, then. Be- the basic law of economics can tell you that if if there's a demand, there the price can go even higher, and and making it ever more difficult. And that's that's the case. Also, um, China is prosperous and strong these days, and but there are many other countries that are not there yet.、Mm. Developing countries,、uh, they're probably not as prosperous, not as populous. And not as productive as China or any other、uh, more developed countries. And what do they do if they want to get their own lost artifacts back in their own homeland? If we make an example, or if we create a trend of buying them or strong arming them to, to get them back,、uh, that means only the strong gets what they want. It's almost the same as. The way in which we lost our artifacts、yes. in history. I mean, the strong would take what they want, and the weak will only are only left to complain. I mean,、yes. that's not the healthy way to do it. And also, China has a National Cultural Relics Information Consultation Center, which collects information related to overseas lost Chinese cultural relics and establishing a database so that we have, or in the future, we will have the proof, the details, and information about the lost relics. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up in the second half of the show, is it a good idea to have university professors serve as vice principals of primary schools? What can they bring to children who have only just begun their studies, and how best can they make use of their vast deposit of knowledge and perspectives? Stay tuned for more fun discussions on Roundtable.、Uh, all in a minute.